Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Mammoth Electronics. We are currently working through making demos for all of their Keeley modded line of pedals. It's super exciting. We've done the DS1. We've done the SD1. We've done the Rat. What Ho else have we done, Ryan? Hopefully by now I've done at least the Blues Driver and maybe the Metal Zone. I'm working through these as fast as I can. It's a lot of pedals to work through. A lot of mods. A lot of video work, but it's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to getting them all out. Uh, I, I've been really enjoying this project. It's been a bunch of fun for me. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Sinusoid, maker of fine guitar cables, XLR cables, headphone cables, cables to connect the battery to the engine of your car. I don't think they have that. I'm pretty sure they're going to have it by now, Steve. I mean, that's a pretty nice cable to have. The last time you did this, they had to buy the rights to sinusoidcables.com. Sinusoid cables, now providing jumper cables for your car. <laughs> and <laughs> smiles. And smiles. <laughs> Thanks for sponsoring the show yet again, Sinusoid. We love you guys. Kisses. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Yeah, applause. Cool, here we are. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Steve. We made it. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How's How are you your doing? Uh, how's your poison oak doing? Uh, well, it is for sure poison oak, as far as we know. Um <laughs> I, I talked about it a couple episodes ago, and I was like, I've got this, this rash. It really hurts. I don't know what it is exactly. I went to the doctor the next day. He said, yeah, that looks like poison oak. You can't know for sure because like, there's not really a test for it. But right. you got this topical rash, and it looks a lot like poison oak. So here's a bunch of medicine. Here's a bunch of stuff you can wrap around your arm and uh, get better real soon. Yeah, you, you, were, uh, you were rocking the toddler fist there for a couple of days. My hands swole up Did like you? Were crazy. you able, did you figure out, uh, was that from like a reaction to the cortisone or whatever? Or? A, I think it was a reaction to the steroid. Right. They had uh, me on a pretty serious steroid. Okay, because I mentioned it on something, on one of your pictures of it, like I've had stuff like that on my feet oh, really? from, uh, from just like rashes. It could from have, like pus drain. It could have been from the rash. It could have been from the medicine. I, either way, it's related. I it mean, was. I've never had anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Did you feel all arthritic? Like you couldn't bend your fingers and crap. My hand was hilarious to me. This because of how it looked. It didn't feel any Not, different. Was it was it hilarious because it looked crazy, or because you were like so jacked up on Vicodin? The Vicodin never did anything for me. Like everyone's like, oh, you're getting fucked. You know, have a good time, and it never. I it I if it worked at all, it just barely took the edge off the pain. I'm gonna say right now, poison oak is no joke. This is my first time <laughs> ever having it. Like literally, I was in hell for about two and a half weeks, and I'm just now coming out of it. And like, I can move my arm now. Oh, you, your arm's still all tore up. It's all tore up. The what I have in it now is like these are cracks. Yeah, in the skin, it's all dried out and, and nasty. all dried out because I had like. 
bare like a half layer of skin under a scab forever. Yeah. And because it's in a bendy place on my body, and any time I bent it, like that thin layer of skin just cracked. And I'm just dealing with these bleeding, gross cracks oh, on my arm. Delicious. But then the rash itself is pretty much cleared up. No more itching. No more persistent pain. So that's nice. Yeah. I just have to deal with these. These cracks that do hurt on my arm and they do bleed in the night and I have to like clean up my sheets in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like it's really irritating, but yeah, stay away from the poison Oak. It ruined my life for a good two to two and a half weeks. Like, you, know, you know what else comes in the night? Right? What's that? Trogdor. <laughs> okay. So uh, should we talk about this other thing? This new? Yeah. Let's talk about this other thing. It's the uh, latest pedal from uh pelican noise works yeah and if anyone listened to our miniature episode on the 14th they know that this episode will be featuring some uh, clues clues for our contest to win it basically there's going to be letters that we say throughout the show and uh, you need to collect all the letters and then you need to go listen to the Flip and Flippers podcast and the yeah. Gear Slum podcast and get the remaining clues yeah, from the show. Yeah, we only have like 30% of the clues, guys. We have four letters. The Gear Slum has four letters and Flip and Flippers has three letters. You have to combine these letters into a word, a phrase, words. You have to figure out what it is and then, uh, you know, solve the clue and send it to us. And this is to win the, uh, the half horse pedal. By Pelican Noise Works, which is the left side fuzz from the Pelotar, but with its own independent volume and uh, sound controls. Mm -hmm. And that and that uh, pedal uh, is covered in stickers from the three respective podcasts. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I want to say that if you want to have the contest rigged in your favor, <laughs> you can PayPal 60cyclecomcast.gmail.com, oh $300, and I will give you the code. <laughs> Steve will you up three hundred dollars. What all, if I do that? Three hundred dollars is all it takes to win this pedal that I'm we, pretty sure is not three hundred dollars. We have not actually discussed this with the other two podcasts. <laughs> we will drop this, at eleven fifty nine. You know who's going to have a heads up on this is the inner circle because they get the episode early. Oh shoot! <laughs> Damn. Okay, dude. guys, just kidding. Don't don't send us three. Well, I mean, you can send us three hundred dollars. We're going to spend want. that money. But I'm, oh man, I, I kind of still want to do it. <laughs> All right, guys. So just keep an ear. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just listen. Listen. Play the game. It, it's a. It's neat. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Leon is is was very gracious to make this custom half horse. Don't send us three hundred dollars. I won't give you the code. Yeah, send us four hundred dollars. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> four hundred maybe. <laughs> you know, I told the other the guys from the other podcast originally my idea was three hundred dollars, and then we'll split it three ways, a hundred dollars each show. But if you send us four hundred dollars, then we get to keep two hundred, yeah. and then they only get a hundred each. Oh man, Steve, you're talking oh. my language. <laughs> All right, let's get into the regular show here. Yeah, yeah, just keep an ear out, guys. We're gonna uh, give you clues. This first ad. It's from Eugene, Oregon. Lot of seven new Stumac unfinished bodies, ash and alder, $450. I have a total of six different unfinished bodies. Uh, actually, one is finished, but basically still in built. Telecaster body. Sorry. Ugh. Oh, gosh. That's a wrong place to put a parentheses. <laughs> um, but anyway, so basically six unfinished Telecaster bodies. One Stratocaster body, two are Ash, one is Swamp Ash, one possibly Swamp Ash, the rest are Alder, 
These are Stumac bodies that came out of a luthier supply who went out of business. None are seconds or have issues, and most have been pre-drilled for standard fender necks as well as for hardware and electronics. Three have routes for 9-volt for active pickups. One body has been nicely finished in a vintage blonde clear and just needs to be built. This is definitely a luthier special. Um, just selling as a lot and would save a local luthier hobbyist a decent amount of money as these are all over $100 new. My price comes out to $64 for each body. Man, you're going all the way. I may even consider trading for other gear depending on what you have to offer. If seriously interested, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know what? Like, okay, $64, like this isn't the... I don't know if you could flip this, maybe... I mean, you can Maybe flip you it could. if you're a competent builder, right? If you have the rest of the parts laying around, you could pro- you could leverage probably leverage this into uh, something unique. Uh, I would even possibly go as far to say that if you were the guy that we have talked about before who pulled a knife on David Chote, uh, <laughs> you could probably take advantage of this. The guy in the motorhome or whatever, yeah, who who sells all sorts of stuff out of his motorhome. Yeah, he, this he is, buys squires and like retrofits the necks and does a bunch of other like other yeah. stuff. I mean, you you get this and you're basically just waiting for that ad that's selling uh, six uh, or se- six or seven Mexican Stratton Telly necks. Right, right. You know, I actually uh, took on um, something like this once. Um, it was I think more than seven bodies. I don't remember how many bodies I bought. Uh, maybe it was about seven. But I think I paid like 150 bucks for them. Whoa! Uh, off of Ron Childress. Oh yeah, that's right. Back when he, one of the times he was moving, he had a Ron Childress our used old, to be uh, our, guitar tech. our old guitar tech, who is still in business since or back in business in San Diego. But I kind of just do all my own tech work now. Yeah, me too. Um, or I take it to Sean Hutchinson. Of yeah, Hutchinson's guitar work. Um, but Ron did did some decent work for us back in the day, and um, decent meaning. He did the crazy things we asked him to do. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, there was basically anything that we could dream up. He would be like, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah, just how I have a strap pickup in my Telecaster, and it's the coolest thing ever. It's why I have a pick guard, a strap pick guard that's loaded with a hot rail in between the bridge and middle pickup. You still have it? I still have it. Is I've, I've, you know, I've taken stuff out of it over the years, but yeah, I still have it. Um, so anyway, this is actually a, a decent setup if you're if you think you want to build seven guitars, you have the parts to build seven guitars. You know what you can make with this? What can you make with this? Pretty freaking bitchin' wind chime. <laughs> seven guitars hanging from ropes all banging into each other every time it gets windy. I don't think that's going <laughs> to sound very good, dude. They make them out of bamboo. <laughs> I think you need to go outside and think about your life. <laughs> Uh, you have to admit, if you saw a wind chime hanging out in front of like a like a mom and pop guitar store that was made out of like a bunch of guitar bodies, you'd be pretty impressed. I might be pretty something. I'm not sure if. Uh, I don't but know. Hey, I don't know. I look at this and I see a lifetime of of random projects. I mean, four fifty is not like a let's just go spend money randomly money. It's, you know, you're buying this intending to do something, but I don't know for the right guy. This is a really solid project starter. They all look like good bodies to me. No paint. So you can paint it however you want. 
yeah, bunch of them have like a bunch of them have swimming swimming pool routes, so you could do any pickups you want. I mean, you could uh, you could build your body and then just swap necks on a whim. Yeah, I you mean, know, drill drill them all to take the same neck. Do you got a lot of options here? You know, if you're the right guy, you got it. Sixty four dollars a body again, like you can you can do some things to kind of like leverage this. I mean, if you've already got paints and stuff, everything comes down to like how much you value your labor. If you value your of labor course. at basically nothing because you're a hobbyist, uh, you could definitely. I think there's some light, at least some light uh, flip potential here. Sure. Um, you know. I mean, I think what I would do is if I was itching to buy this set, I would buy the lot. I would pick the two or three bodies I knew I wanted to work with. And then flip the others into necks, you know, like have them up and like, we'll trade for Mexican neck, you know, for Mexican strat neck or Mexican telly neck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause that would be a good trade, trade a $64 body for, you know, basically $120 neck. Someone would do it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's all right. The first contest letter is, oh, <laughs> Steve thinks it's all right. Do you have anything else to say about this one? Nope. Nope. <laughs> let's talk about some, uh, let's talk about the topic, which is flip regerts. Regerts? <laughs> you ever seen the picture of like people get a tattoo trying to say no regrets yeah. and it says regerts. Regerts. Flip. There's nothing. The one says, that I've always seen is no ragrets. No ragrets. <laughs> um, Oh my gosh, why can I not find this stupid topic? I know what, obviously I know what it is. I just want to give props where props are due. Yeah. Oh, uh, there, Chris Fisher, he said, what well, items seem like a sure thing to flip, but wound up being a waste of time and money. Uh, Who was it that bought that Tisco? That we Kyle all, Smith. We all pressured Kyle Smith to buy that beautiful Tisco, and he couldn't sell it. I think he ended up barely breaking even on it is what happened. Or he just b- barely made a profit on he it. He had to like, whatever happened with that, he had them on his hands a lot longer yeah. than he wanted to. Longer than 90 days, you think? Definitely longer than 90 <laughs> days. Um, I love that we've been recently referencing that thing that was like a year ago, the 90 days thing, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me and Adam Dolhanic mentioned it on the group, definitely would be my KTR. Yeah. Um, you bought the, well, the first time there was a run of KTRs, the first couple times they ran out and they became mega flip potential. Yeah. I mean, that was something that had been happening off and on for, for a while. Yeah. Like a year or two. And like that. the run that I got in on, they basically had a ton of them and I was like waiting and waiting. I think I got in on a January release. Um, and then they did another release of that April. Right. And I was like, what? And that just like, cause you were waiting for them to get back ordered. And that's when you, that's when you get to load them up on reverb and sell them for more than you paid, you know, do the Mr. Black Supermoon thing. Mm hmm. Uh, and you never got that, did you? Did you end up? Have you did, ended up selling it? I don't. The know. The Supermoon? No, I mean the KTR. I did sell the KTR. Did I you took, make? Did, I think I. Um, did you take a loss? I think I basically broke. If I took a loss, it was minimal. I took like, I want to say maybe I took like a ten or fifteen dollar loss on it. Gotcha. So I ended up 
but I had to like fight for that. I had to wait a really long time. Yeah. Uh, probably it's more trouble than it was probably worth. way longer than I should have. Um, I think I got to do a couple of demos with it, like some shootouts. Yeah, or we something. did. A, we did a KTR versus Soul Food. That's right. So I think it was worth it in that territory. But um, it just seems like the whole Klon thing has really died off yeah. lately. The thing that was, I think, the worst part about it is because I had bought that to flip. I never took it. I never played it. Really? Yeah. I mean, you wanted to keep it. I pristine. played it like over here, like right. when we were we did some stuff for the show, but I I never used it in a set. Yeah. I just I had I didn't want to take it out of the box. It. I wanted yeah. to sell it basically as near mint. Yeah, I got this uh, speaker cab that came with uh, my AC fifteen recently. Yeah, and I'm starting to uh, regret that. Regret because I looked at it. I wanted the speaker that was inside of it, which is honestly right. a great deal. It had a, a, a Celestian blue in there. Did I pronounce it right? That's the right way. Closer. Was yeah, that's, we'll say it. We'll okay. Say yes. Uh, I double I double guess myself every time. I second guess myself. Double guess. Oh my gosh, I'm on another planet tonight. Uh, so the included blue in the speaker cab was a great deal as an, yeah. as an add-on with the amp. And my thought was, oh, I'll be able to sell the empty cab. No mm-hmm. problem. I see cabs on Craigslist all the time and they seem to move. I can't, for the life of me, get a single hit on an empty cab for 50 bucks. It's a decent cab. And I've got these other carbon speaker cabs here that I can't seem to move either. And I'm basically like have them up for like $30 or $40 yeah, pizza right now. and some brown liquor. Yeah. I want, I want a fresh pizza and a bottle of brown liquor. That's all I'm asking for, for these huge speaker cabs. And I can't get anyone to even email me. Uh, so I'm just feeling kind of bummed on those right now. Um, other than that, I'm sure there's things that I've bought that I took a loss on. Yeah. You uh, win some, you lose some, but I don't think I don't think I've had any that are major bummers. Oh, my honer. I've got that uh spruce honer. Yeah. I bought that back in college because mm-hmm. I was doing more like worship leading back in the day. And it's like, right. you know what? I need to get myself a nice acoustic guitar that's got, you know, the built-in electronics and the whole thing. I didn't actually need it. I just thought I did. I thought... And then three months later, Phil Wickham showed up at your church. <laughs> no, this was not at that church. Um, so anyways, I went to a local, sh- like, mom and pop shop yeah. and just ended up way overpaying for it. And this was pre-internet. Not pre-internet, but pre, like, where you could really price compare on the internet and, like, shop around. Like Harmony Central was the only thing. Yeah. Uh, So I just way overpaid for it. I like the guitar. It plays nice. But every time I look at it, I'm just bummed because I I think I literally overpaid like $250 on this thing. There, you know, there's always, I've got other things that um, I bought uh, on a couple different occasions a few years ago, two different lots Uh of pedals. The first lot I ended up being able to sell fairly quickly and getting my money back on it. I don't remember how much I ended up making on it, but it, I did. I remember doing okay with it. The other lot had a couple pedals that they had an okay market value, but I underestimated how difficult they would be to sell locally. Like one of mm. them was like a T Rex pedal uh, that like just doesn't really have the following in the states that T-Rex has abroad. So that I ended up fighting with, and I ended up selling a bunch of those pedals to um, 
a guy that I know in New Zealand and after shipping, I basically broke even. So that one's not like a loss, but it was just kind of like a nightmare where like I knew that I was only going to break even after everything if I was lucky, but it was just such a mess that I was like, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I feel like there are probably some other things. I mean, when you're playing the flip game every now and then, you know, you take a loss. Yeah. This is how it that's goes. That's why some guys don't really want to get into the flip game at all. But, you know, you got to, it takes capital to make capital, right? Yeah. You got to spend some to make some. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> big business. Steve and I are big businessmen when it comes to flipping. What you looking for, Steve? Nothing. Okay. Should we uh, jump on to the next uh, ad? We should. This is one that you are super stoked about. I'm not super stoked, but I... So I, stoked. I feel like stoked I... stoked this. I feel like I have something to say about it. Fender Cyclone 2. $600. Fender Cyclone 2. A rare Fender guitar with three American-made 62 reissue jazz mat. Jaguar. Jaguar. Pickups. <laughs> Now strap, you know what it's like to be me, Steve. A strap bridge trim and a Gibson scale length of 2475. Fantastic condition, huge combination of sounds from the three pickups. Email with any questions. What kind of questions would you email this guy with? Uh, where are you? Can I come Is this over a now? Good price, 600 bucks. It's a really solid price, especially for this color. Like most of them out there are red. Yeah, I don't I think I've only seen red and maybe uh, blue, like the the other. This the, is the blue, like it's a no, no, like a normal blue, oh, like a blue, blue. Yeah, this is like a they call it. Uh, I forget the color that they call it. Does it say on here? It doesn't say, it doesn't say on here. Uh, but anyways, it's kind of in the picture, it looks kind of like a uh, sea foam, but it's it's not sea foam. Oh, okay, that's why I'm confused. I'm looking at it right now. On I'm looking at a poster of it, actually. Um, yeah, it's closer eBay, to that. And that looks more like a sonic blue to me. Yeah, that's. I think this is like a faded sonic blue in this oh, picture. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because sonic blue would fade to... Well, it's like yellowing. Green. It's yellowing is what's going right. on. So it's going from blue to more of a green. I think it looks fantastic yeah. in this color. Yeah. Uh, these guitars came out... Um, I want to say either in the late 90s or like 2001, something like that. Something like that. The ad, uh, the thing I just showed you from eBay is supposed to be a print ad from 2003. That's, I'm betting it. they were out from like 2001 to 2003, something like that. They didn't last long. No. Uh, and then they, That's for sure. There were this, the twos, especially the, uh, the regular Cyclones with the humbucker in the bridge. Yeah. Those seemed to be much more numerous. Uh, much more common, I guess. I played one of these in Guitar Trader back in the day, and I kicked myself that I didn't buy it. At the time, I didn't appreciate it. I was like, oh, what are these weird pickups? I don't understand what I'm looking at here. But now, being like a surf rock guy, this is like a rad guitar to me. Yeah, like it's three Jaguar pickups with a Strat trim and like a small body and a Gibson scale. This thing's rad. The prices are kind of all over they kind of are the red ones you can get them uh under 600 the second contest letter is e yeah and i'm seeing a lot of the cyclone ones for like as low as three or four well there's squire versions 
No, these are are they are the Fender ones. Okay, but they're not. I think the Fender Two is really a lot more desirable. Right, but I think this color is a little bit more desirable. I don't think there's a price this low on eBay if you're looking on eBay right now. But uh, yeah, if this was in my town, I would have had a tough time sitting there debating whether or not I was going to go grab it. Um, something I wonder about these guitars, though, is yeah. whenever I see them used, they're mm-hmm. always pristine. I wonder if they're not that great of players. It might just be kind of weird. Like I mean, it's like people can't figure out how to use them, like what context to use them in. Yeah, I mean, you think mine's not in the best shape, mostly because I got it when I was a kid. But even for that, like your Jagstang, my Jagstang, uh, and the Cyclone Two was kind of around the same time as like one of the Jagstang reissues uh-huh. era. So mine is a, is an original issue, nineteen ninety six. But they did another run in the early 2000s that was kind of contemporaneous to this and the the Fender Tornado and and some other yeah yeah some other of these like funky offset slash semi offset uh, guitars that Fender did. Um, and I feel like a lot of Jag things I see are in really pristine condition. It's they're just kind of weird guitars. I don't know what the exact specs were for the Cyclone Two. But like the Jagstang, I think part of that is, you know, if you're not ready to to go with the seven and a quarter inch body, you're right. just kind of in a weird place. Um, I should have had one of these for YFB days, is the honest truth. Yeah. Like to go with a Duosonic, like it's like a beefed up Duosonic sort of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Mustang body. It's not a Duosonic body. There is a difference. Right. Not everyone realizes that they're a different body. Um, but yeah, I just think as a cool guitar, if they reissued it, I'd still probably want the original issue. Oh, the Cyclone body. Interesting. Is it a different body for the, the Cyclone? Cyclone body is similarly styled to the Mustang, but it is a quarter of an inch thicker. Well, that's to, that's to accommodate the Strat trim. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. But that also, you know, that's going to make a difference in feel. It's going to... It means that you can't go and build one of these things, too. It's like you can't go buy a Mustang body and just fudge it, you know? You have to have the bottom body custom made. But when I saw this ad, I started to poke around on eBay. I'm like, should I invest in one of these now? And, like, this will be, like, my closet guitar (laughs) or something like that. Uh, But I really don't need this style of guitar I just still think it's a really cool concept. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about it. And $600 is still like you can, you can get into that guitar and not have to worry about the price too much. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I may be getting, I want to say getting older, but then I, I feel like even that's a weird thing to say, but just kind of like being in different place in your life. And sometimes $600 is a lot of money. And other times it's like, ah, oh, you know, if you're, if you use it, a you know, on a regular basis, it's not really that big of an investment. And I wonder how much of that is driven by like the reality of inflation and geopolitics and whatever. Right. Right. And how much of that is just like the awareness of so many high end brands that right. are like selling, well, you know, th- two, three, $4,000 guitars. You're like, Oh, all of a sudden like $600 isn't. Yeah. 
the well, most expensive thing. Think about it in terms of, you know, some of the, you know, in air quotes, accessories we buy now. Yeah. My first guitar pedal I ever bought, I paid $40 for it. I think later I paid $30 for a DS1. And then the most expensive pedal I bought, like after that for a long time, was my tuner. I bought a TU2 for what, like 75 bucks or something yeah. like that. Uh, now, pedals are just you know you just expect them to be like 180 bucks yeah yeah and unless you you know unless you're still really bought even if you're even if you're buying from like big like the bigger how air quotes again household name brands like an right. ehx or a digitech like some of those pedals are gonna set you back like what's like, like 120 the, 140 the tc hall of fame reverb is like i think it's 140 or 150 new yeah yeah but then you look at this guitar and you're like, well, that's three pedals. Yeah. Is a guitar worth three pedals? That's how yeah, I feel about the, yeah. I hate to bring it up again, but the, the boss guitar. Oh, here we go. Broken record. It's this, this, the cost of a pedal. It's crazy. But yeah, $600 for a guitar just doesn't seem like a lot right now, especially a guitar that's pretty like quirky and unique. Yeah. They're... And, you know, the Cyclone, especially maybe the Cyclone 2 a little more. I don't know. Like, we say $600 and, and it's on the cheap side. But these guitars, I think, were like 630 when they came out. I want to say they were more like street price of like 450 They might have been. I, I know. I let me. I should say, I know the Jagstain when it first came out was 630 Right. Um. So I just kind of think of everything being in that ballpark. I remember a few, you know, in the early mid 2000s, seeing Cyclones under $300 on Craigslist. Maybe wow. not Cyclone 2s, but at least the original right, Cyclones. Right. Yeah, the Humbucker Cyclone. But even cyclone. The, the, the Humbucker Cyclone, the was it HS um, setup, those would be in like the four to 450 range usually. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to pitch. What are you going to pitch? Maybe I should pick up one of the regular cyclones okay and i should do like a single pickup thing with it like get an aftermarket pickguard and put something funky in there or like what if i like complete like i riff off of this concept and i put like a jazz master pickup in the bridge and a jaguar pickup in the neck something like that that could be cool or like a p90 in the bridge or something that would be a fun project I don't know. Oh man, projects, projects, let's, projects. Let's start some you know, projects. things that I have time for. Yeah. Steve yeah. just turned and looked at, <laughs> at the guitar that's been hanging in my garage for like a year I was like, now. Is that thing still over there? Yeah, it's it still is. over I there. Like I was thinking the other day that it's time to sand it and polish it and put it together. Oh, I thought you were gonna say. I, I was thinking the other day it's time to take some pictures and put it on Craig's. <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish it. I'm ready. I'm ready to play that thing. Uh, it's pretty. It's going to be pretty fantastic looking. I've got this gold sparkle flying V project hanging in my garage that will, yeah. uh, that will be a thing that I post lots of pictures of eventually. Someday. Someday. All right, let's, uh, let's tackle the next topic. Yeah. This was sent uh, in by Jared Epling. He says tips on troubleshooting your pedal board when it keeps making unwanted noise. Is there any shortcuts that you have come across? The third contest letter is a, well, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with a pedal board. First of all, the pedals can go bad. Like your jacks can go bad. Sometimes the blue smoke gets out. Like things just go bad. Um, 
that's I'm gonna say that's pretty unusual. It's unusual, but it happens. I mean, I've got like a dozen pedals on my board right now. Sometimes things break. Uh, another thing that goes bad is cables. Patch cables are a very common problem. I think patch cables is are definitely something that go bad from time to time, especially, you know, yeah, I'm, you're surp- like, I'm surprised you haven't had more cable failure that you have at the, like, cause you're always swapping cables out. Yeah. I do a lot of pedal swapping on my board. Those hose of pancake plugs, man, Uh huh. they just get it done. I haven't yeah. had a single one fail. I mean, if you, <laughs> you gotta, gotta prop up our sponsor a little bit. If you want something, you know, that looks a little bit more fashionable, a little bit more modern. And are smaller. And are smaller, actually smaller. The sinusoid uh, slivers are, yeah. are a good look. I have always heard, like, you get, like, the solderless ones, like the solderless, fully uh-huh. solderless patch cables. I always hear that they go bad, or, like, if you don't make them right, that they don't work at all. It seems like it's a real mixed bag, because I've had guys say that, you know, I've been I've been using the same George L's on my board for like five years. I don't see the problem. But then also, there's solid core, right? I don't know. I think I, a lot I of really those, don't know a lot about any of that stuff. A lot of those patch cable kits, the solderless ones, are solid core, and I change I change uh, pedals so often you that think they I just fail. I can't rely on custom lengths like that. I need to have a little bit of slack with with each. Uh, well, with cable. a George L, it's a kit, so you can yeah. set it at whatever length you want. But I'm, yeah, I know. But then also, like they're like kind of coat wires in there. Like if you keep bending them and bending them, eventually they're going to snap, right? Uh, I have no idea. Like, or have so some I've, kind of memory because I always see people like bending them in like to specific like shapes and stuff like that, right? For super clean board mm. layouts, I always worry about that. Like, okay. If I if I invested the money that those things cost. And then they failed on me because I was constantly like redoing my board. Like that would be a huge bummer. But yeah, patch cables go bad all the time. And then another thing where you can have failure is in your power supply. Not necessarily in the cables, although that is something that can happen. But in, you know, you maybe you're getting dirty power out of the wall. Yeah. And that's not even really like a failure. Sometimes that can be your environment. caused by different things um or maybe your power supply can't handle the amount of load that all your fancy pedals are yeah drawing. I, i've had power supply issues that only exist with certain pedals certain pedals don't um, like to be on the same power circuit with other pedals yeah i've got a couple pedals that are uh, are digital yeah that they just don't really like the way everything's connected and i think maybe if i went to a fully isolated Power supply, it would take care of that, um, but I'm using the, what is it, the K-Line power or whatever, yeah, yeah. 12 thing. And so it, it's, it's I like it because it's a clean setup, but, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I, I suspect that switching to a fully isolated power supply uh, would fix that. And, um, and yeah, so sometimes that's just what it is. So there's different ways to to test these. Uh, oh, so those are I guess those are two things. So uh, cables, there's three individual pe- pedal failure, and power, power supplies. Would you say those are the main three? Those are your points of failure. failure. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing, you know, if you've got a tight board, it's harder to do this one. But something that you can do is 
working from the end of your pedal chain back to the beginning is just start eliminating one pedal after the other until the noise disappears. Well, my my move, like if I have a failure in my board, sure. My move is because I have like a like a two rows sort of thing, like mm-hmm. a top row and a and a and a bottom row, right. And I know that each row is basically running in path with with each other. Yeah. I can just pull out the plug on the first row and put my output cable direct into there and be like, oh, am I passing signal now? Oh yeah, I am. Oh, so, so then the, you so at then least the problem. Then the I can at least split the split the whole board in half, right? To like fifty fifty it to like start narrowing down where the problem is. Yeah. So that's kind of my move, and then I go pedal by pedal and try to figure out where it is. Right. Um, and I, usually, I my another one of my moves is I try to leave enough slack on my patch cables mm-hmm. that if I do need to pull a pedal, I can move. I can scoot two pedals together really quickly and have them complete the circuit you know right right that makes that works um one thing that i've done uh is if you have a pedal where you you think if you're getting like you know there's specific kinds of noise if it's like a hum you might have a ground loop if you're not passing signal, like obviously that's uh-huh. that's more of possibly a failure at some point. It could be like you said with a pedal. Like I had, um, I've had pedals where the switches have just died. And it seems like that's really the most common point of failure for a pedal is if a switch wears out. Yeah, um, I've had a couple of Boss style pedals where the jacks, I think like the the jack is like hardwired into the board inside the yeah. pedal, and eventually like the solder gets loose. Yeah, and so like the input jack will be real touchy. The there are some Ibanez actually some Ibanez pedals that were bad. They they have what's called a mountain. I think they call it mountain switch. Uh huh. And yeah, it's a little like clicky thing that's mounted directly to the board. Right. It's right. really like it's really a trip if you open up if you you know I know you've opened up a Boss pedal before. Yeah. But it's like you have the switch and the switch pushes down on like the switch itself on the pedal. It's just a thing you push down that pushes like on another piece of plastic that goes down to push on a little switch oh, that's okay. mounted directly to your board. So it's actually kind of like a three-stage yeah, yeah. deal no, I've, to, I've to seen tap that. this relay. I've seen that kind of deal. By the way, the Boss switch this is a brilliant design. Yeah. Like yeah. The Boss case in general is a brilliant design. I was listening to the Tone Mod podcast a week or two on the airing of this show. And he had uh, Matt Knight on there from uh, from uh, the Guitar Nerds podcast. Yeah. And he was talking about how the tray, the battery tray of the Boss pedals is designed thinking that 9-volt batteries could go bad and leak fluid. And so it's like a little reservoir there oh. to catch like battery acid and keep it from making the rest of the pedal go bad. Interesting. That's, and I had, that's pretty brilliant. Actually. I had never like caught onto that. I was just like, Oh, here's the battery compartment. This is just where it is. Yeah, Cause if you think of like a way of say, well, even like my Proco rat, I've had batteries go know, bad and like flashlights battery and stuff. go and pop. Yeah. They'll go bad and they will get that acid everywhere and it ruins whatever it touches. So it's, it's pretty brilliant that they were thinking about their, box design that seriously when they came up with it like and i've never had a battery go bad in a boss pedal but you know if yeah. it did happen in theory you would at least have a little bit of extra protection it saves the day for you if that does ever happen yeah. but uh, what were we talking about again <laughs> okay oh you want to know a failure i've had 
uh, sure. with a different model of Hosa patch cables. I've got uh-huh. these like these plastic molded tip oh, ones. Oh, those things fail all the time. I ha- I ordered a bunch of them. They failed without failing. How am I going to describe this? Okay, so the, they pass signal just fine. There's nothing wrong with the cable. There's nothing wrong with the connection. The thing that was wrong about them is that they made the plug portion too long. They didn't clip them to the right length. Uh-huh. And so they would never push all the way into a pedal. Weird. So I've got like three or four of these cheap plastic hose of patch cables floating around. Uh, every now and then I need them to fit into certain pedals that have like close top jacks or whatever. Yeah. But I've got these bad ones floating around that just won't stay in pedals. And it's maddening when I get a bad one. I just need to snip them in half and throw them in the garbage when I find them. <laughs> I had a, then uh, this was screwball. So I used to use the, and I guess this was a problem. I, no, you know what? I had to deal with it. Um, I had one of those roll in adapters. Um, so I, Roland sells so okay. So you, if you have like a Boss TU two, Boss TU three, right, right, um, they have this power supply like yeah. in parallel. So you plug your power into what's designed for. You can like daisy chain off of it. You can daisy chain off of it. People have this idea that the what you're supposed to do is put a nine volt into your TU two and then daisy chain off of a nine volt to power everything else. What? And that's what you do if you're stupid. Yeah, that, um, like especially if you run like a delay, like you're gonna kill that battery so fast. Yeah. Um, you could do it with. You could probably do that with like a fuzz or something like that. Yeah, for maybe one show. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm sure somebody's gonna write us and say, "Oh no, I totally do that all the time." But what it's designed for is to take a, the Boss nine, nine or two hundred milliamp supply, you plug into your tuner, and then you chain into like four more Boss pedals right and as long as none of them is a delay you're fine it's so that um, you can have one of those boss plastic boards and not have a power supply ex- on it. exactly yeah. exactly or just have a not have to put batteries and everything you just use a standard exact supply so i had the Roland chain because i had a tu2 and i would use it for different things I, I mean i still have it but the barrel uh plug on that is too short to go into a Dunlop crybaby. Oh. Because a Dunlop crybaby, the jack isn't flush. Yeah. It's a little bit recessed into the body. And the hole on the on the wall casing is pretty narrow. So the 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 barrel itself would fit into the pedal. But the plastic would hit up against the casing, the plastic. Right, right. And it would go in just enough that you think, like, maybe it'll work, and sometimes it worked. But I ended up with one of the wall, with I think the first wall I owned, I ended up taking, like, a half-inch drill bit. No. And just, like, freaking reaming this thing. But again, like, the, the crybaby case is beefy. It's not, like, you know, a standard oh, aluminum yeah. case. Oh, yeah, it's like, a, like an eighth- it's thick or something it's like that. It's super thick and it's covered in that like black, like friggin' wannabe yeah. Linex paint. There's plenty of metal there. Uh, it w- was awful. And even after I did all of the work to like drill this thing out, it still only worked half the time. <laughs> and then that pedal. I love your approach of trying to fix the problem at the point of the wall pedal instead of just buying. A uh, like a daisy chain attachment yeah, yeah. that would work for it. Uh, so that was that was a nightmare. But 
Um, it's kind of a weird thing that can happen. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, if you're getting digital noise, the thing I think to do is to try to isolate, uh, use an isolated power supply. Some delays are just noisy. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, if you have a digital delay that's designed to be kind of a analog sounding pedal, it might have some more, like a little less filtering and it, it kind of just lets a little more ambient noise for lack of a better sure, word. Sure. Um, but I've had some pedals that just like in some environments, they had a lot more digital noise. And when I say digital noise, um, I don't know how exactly to describe it, but if you've ever taken your phone and held it up sure. to your guitar pickups, it's like that's the sound that these pedals kind of make. Like, like a modem not, noise. It's not a buzz. It's kind of like a modem noise. Yeah, yeah. I was having trouble <laughs> years ago because I used to run daisy chains off of two one spots, basically, to power yeah. my ghetto board back in the mm-hmm. day. And then when I got a nicer board, I got that salvage board, um, and I started mixing like digital pedals into my into my board. I started to have problems like that. Right. And so I jumped on the internet and I was doing research trying to figure out what kind of power supply I need. And a lot of them are real expensive. Like there's some expensive power supplies out there that are very you know fancy pants. There's nothing wrong with that. But then I was recommended the power pedal power article by uh, Jack Deville of Mister mm-hmm. Black Pedals. And it's a long read. There's a lot of information there. It's not that long. For me, it was long. For you, it's long. I have trouble getting through my kids' storybooks, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of those Dr. Seuss books are super long. Oh, dude, I don't even want to deal with, oh, the places you will go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, I recommend that anyone who's shopping for power go read that article. Yeah. Like, read it before you spend a dollar. Before you buy your first one sure. spot, like go read this article. Uh, it has a lot of very technical information, but the thing that really kind of drove it home for me is at the end of the article, he has a bunch of sound clips of here's this pedal powered with this power supply. Here's this pedal powered with an isolated supply. Here's one powered with a non-isolated supply. Here's one powered with a nine volt battery. Mm-hmm. And the consensus at the end is that if you're, pedal has nine volt ability that's always going to be your cleanest power right and if you're running if you're trying to decide between isolated and say a cheap non-isolated power supply like we use like our our joyos and k-lines it's not really a question of how much noise you're going to get in the signal from the power Uh it's more a question of what kind of noise sure so that's what i really took away from it but then if you are there are certain things that those cheap power supplies can't do. You can't power a Strymon pedal with them. You can't get enough juice out of them. Right. Well, so, and right, there's, cer- right. there's certain digital pedals that probably still would not talk well with analog pedals or with other digital pedals being on the same power. I haven't run into that problem yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, every now and then I run into an issue with a pedal and I try to like debug it by like going and throwing it on its own supply and it never seems to be the issue. Um, so I haven't run into a problem with those cheap import supplies yet. And I've been running the, the, them for, I've been running them for years. So so I mean the stuff that we've used you've you had the one spot. Uh you had some noise with the one spot, right? That's what I'm saying is I was running two one spots with some oh, digital okay, digital stuff mixed in and I was getting that modem sound. Right. Okay. I I actually get the modem sound with the K-line that Really? I have. Which pedals are we talking um, about? The Alexander Golden Summer does it and okay. the Kilobyte does it. 
Interesting. Um, from what I understand, the kil- the kilobyte no- being a little noisy is kind of a known sure thing, and it, it has to do with the fact that it's using like an old style digital delay chip. Like it's right. just kind of a white noise pedal. There's a lot. And of- I haven't tried to tried to isolate the power supply on that. I uh-huh. I really meant to, and I, I just keep putting it off. Yeah, because it's something where it's like I'm I'm plugging this thing in for two hours. You know, as soon as I roll the volume off, like it's, yeah. it's gone. You know what my secret weapon is? Whenever I'm having a pedal that's acting up, when I'm trying to demo it, What's like your secret weapon, it right? ha- like it always comes down to like I just think the power is dirty that day. Maybe there's a solar flare, uh-huh. or like the military's running tests or something oh like gosh. that. The Dan Electrode by Dan Electro, uh-huh. it's a it's a wall wart that's about the same space as a, uh, a as a one spot, right. but it's designed to starve, give you like that starved voltage sort of sound. For some reason, even when it's set to not starve voltage at all, it debugs power for me. Huh. So if I've got a pedal that's just not happy with the power right. on that certain day, and it does seem to be like an environmental thing, like whatever's mm-hmm. happening in the atmosphere, it, just, it works. It just kills whatever's going on. So I'm really I need to do a demo of that product because it's a really cool thing to have around. One and they're, I think they're like seventeen bucks or something. Yeah, like one that. of the things I will say, you know, we're talking about different power supplies. Um, the thing I have seen consistently, whether you know, aside from the K line or the Joya, which are actually the same thing, versus like a Voodoo Labs versus the Strymon Ohi versus you know whatever all these different, uh, all these different electric instrument supplies, uh, all of them are supposed to be superior to using like a nine volt portable television power supply or whatever. Like, I don't know if portable televisions. I don't know what you're talking about. So you can get nine volt supplies that like nine volt wall warts that basically look like the boss PS 200 Uh or PSA 200 or whatever. Um, But they're just designed for like general electronics use. Interesting. And those want things I have heard from a lot of different sources, sources, A lot of different sources can be very noisy. Interesting. Uh, so the and these would also include things like you probably owned one. Uh, maybe I know my parents at least owned one. It was used to be able to buy these uh, power supplies like at Radio Shack that were like nine in one. Oh yeah, they have all the different connections. Yeah, so those things are like notoriously yeah. noisy because they're not designed to be like a single thing. Right. They have everything. So even though like. The, you know, running a one spot on a daisy chain isn't isolated. The one spot itself is still designed to be silent because it's being built for like an audio purpose. Right. Whereas like something that's being used to power like, I don't know, your your power drill or something. Yeah. One spot is a great product, like, by the way, too. It's not It's not designed to be quiet. It's not designed for an audio application. Yeah. So whatever, uh, you know, EMF bleed off you get from the supply doesn't matter because you know there's no audio component yeah yeah but yeah one spots are still like a really like great tool yeah and i've got like four of them around at this point like it's you know they're gonna work you know like it's gonna get you a pretty good amount of power and be pretty safe like it's kind of the standard at this point like 
I, f- I don't want to sound like I'm dogging on them by saying that I had problems with them. Like I was, right. I was running like an intense setup off. Yeah, off of I mean, two chain it's, together. It's one of those things where it's like where you know, I used one of I used the godlike power all for years. Yeah, without any issues. I actually just switched to the K line because it was a little cleaner in terms of the layout. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you know, you're talking about running. And this is a thing that people will talk about it and in different groups and I get it. Uh you're you're talking about running uh what three you know, eight hundred dollars worth of pedals through two thirty dollar power supplies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so let's let's tackle an ad and get out of here. All right. Uh you wanna read this one? Uh I gotta find it. Just one more. No, yeah, this is a Pearl Drum Kits and Symbian Symbols Kit. Uh, they're asking $500. Uh, this was sent in by uh, Santiago. Uh, I forget your last name, but you send everything through Facebook page. You know who you are. Uh, What's a Symbian Symbols Kit? I'm assuming he meant Sabian, uh-huh. but it's kind of just a goofy word. And it's like, you know, Symbi- you Symbian that? is like a Sabian. S-A-B-I-A-N, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, Symbian is funny to me. Apparently, it's a Nokia operating system, but I hear it as like symbiotic, like the you know, right. like some kind of like biological thing. I don't know. I just thought it, it, it falls in that category for me of you have... Spell check on your... It's thing. not even a spell check. It's not going to... Spell check's not going to catch it. Oh, okay. But you have the product right in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Presumably. Read the badge yeah, on it. Read the badge. <laughs> and I feel like Symbian is not. You know, if you plug that into your phone, your phone's not going to be like, oh, let me autocorrect Sabian for you. No. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man, this ad is not as funny as I thought it would be. It wasn't. Darn. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here, Steve. Yeah. Let's thank our sponsors this week, uh, Mammoth Electronics. Check out our videos that we're making for them. Yep. Um, for the Keeley modded pedal line. And uh, also thanks to our sponsor, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. They make, make cables, cables and, and smiles. smiles. I hate you. <laughs> um, What's our song, Steve? Our song this week uh, was sent to us by Brian Gower. I think it's Gower, unless it's Goer. I'm going to say Gower. That's how I would pronounce it. He says, hey, guys, uh, big fan of the show. I'm submitting a song by my band, Playing Without a Pilot. We're a pop punk slash emo band from San Diego. Think saves the day slash the up kids meets the loved ones slash Green Day. Anyway, here's a song from our upcoming album called Falling for You. Oh, so they are still together. We were having a little conversation about this. Steve got really excited when he read Uh, this email. He says, for the gear curious, I used a Jazzmaster through a cranked Vox AC30 and a Les Paul through a Mesa rectifier for the bulk of the tracks. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, I got super excited because uh, Playing Without a Pilot is a local band, and they've been around for a really long time, and we played with them at Dream Street in 2010 when we were in the Morning Glass. Seven years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. So uh, they're, they've been a San Diego staple for a long time. I think they formed around like 2007 or 2008. Sure. Um, but I thought it was just like kind of cool to, like, to get this in, you know... I think about like all of the different people that we've met um, because of the show, but sometimes like it's funny to like 
to see some how small the music world is mm-hmm. when some another band in San Diego is listening to your show, but like you don't even like you've never met even if it's a band that, especially when it's a band that you've played with right right you don't really know any of the guys in the band but they're like hey i'm going to submit my music to your show yeah so it's kind of this, this is a small world so the music community coming full circle and I, yeah. I got really excited about that all right guys have a good one have a good one later bye
The fourth contest letter is S. 